Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Vegas studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, stretching out in the new studio. That's right, 5280 Geek has relocated to a new, larger, more expensive campus. All the better to entertain you and fill you in with the latest and greatest in geek news. And where will we be without our sponsors? Yes, that is right, Suzy Q's, the purveyor of fine handcrafted jewelry, the medieval type that... Any warlord would be honored to wear. Susie just actually completed this uh, suit of armor for one of the Mandalorian mercs for their Grogu, and it looked spectacular. Uh, Susie is taking commissions right now and requests. Go to suzyqs.com to see what she's got. And again, unique gifts that no one else is going to be able to say, oh, I've got, you know, something just like that. Nope, nothing like this on the planet. Give the gift that no one else. Uh, we'll get. That's right. It's 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 amazing. It's wonderful. Go buy it now. <laughs> also, our other sponsor, Mr. Matt Campbell from Action Line Studios, who's offering a fifteen percent discount on your purchases uh, when you enter in the code fifty two eighty. So check it out. Uh, Mythica is fabulous. Little horror element. Little little fun element. Little comedy, but it is. Unique, just like Susie. See, we're all about uniqueness here. Uh, you will look to see, hopefully, our upcoming videos again, as now we have our new studio. Vadim and Susie will be coming in to do a uh, video version of our 5280 Geek Weekend Geek Update, which has been uh, on hiatus because of the move and because of cons. We have been everywhere. We just finished uh, Orlando... Megacon, and well, holy moly, it was wall-to-wall people. I think this is the highest that Megacon has had for a turnout, and it it was just so much fun. But the cosplay was great. The whole, like, con floor was just enveloped by so many con-goers, cosplayers, and a lot of, like, fresh new faces. That was probably, like, the number one thing uh, I heard at the booth was, um, this is my first con. So it's nice to see people coming out and giving conventions a try. Of course, it was weird running a booth without Susie because at the same time that Megacon was going on, C2E2 in Chicago was happening. So Susie set up her booth and had one of her best C2E2s uh, to date. So that's encouraging to hear as, you know, people are starting to get back out there and mingle and everything. I was surprised at Megacon that uh, Christy Brinkley was there. Yes, that's right. They had the National Lampoon's uh, Christmas vacation. No, it was like National Lampoon's vacation. Chevy Chase was there. So was Christy Brinkley. And I mean, little, little kind of like, you know, aw, crushing moment for me. I mean, I, I had the Cheryl Teagues poster, but I mean, it's still Christy Brinkley. Okay. And it was just cool to just talk to her interact with her and of course Henry Winkler was there the Fonz uh, or uh, 
I think it's Pip's dad from Vox Machina. So that was it was great to talk to him about that because you know. It, one person I never really considered doing voiceover work for a fantasy series was Henry Winkler. So it was great to talk to him about that. And of course my favorite show with him, which was better late than never when he's, you know, touring around with William Shatner, uh, George Foreman and Terry Bradshaw. And I thought that was, I got to talk to him a little bit about that. So it was fun and it was well worth the, the trip. So next year, thankfully, C2E2 and Megacon will have separate dates. They won't be on the same and uh, you'll be able to do both. Not that I need to do more cons, but hey, why not? <laughs> So, speaking of cons and things that are going on, Free Comic Book Day is quickly approaching. In fact, I think, is it next weekend? Or do I have one weekend to spare? Please tell me I have a weekend to spare. Actually, we do. Uh, in two weeks is going to be Free Comic Book Day all across the country. Check out your local comic book retailer for specials and what they're they're doing. Usually here in Colorado, it's... Uh, it's quite the, the, the to-do. Um, we have like, what, five, six different comic shops that bring in artists and writers and just put on tremendously large sales. We have uh, been to Time Warp in Boulder a number of times uh, as hosts and as presenters and helping out Wayne do Free Comic Book Day. So that's that's always been fun, but there's other shops in town. There's Time Warp in addition to uh, I Want More Comics. All Seas Collectibles, Hall of Justice, so uh, Mile High Comics, of course, and all of those will have their own like thing. So it's a busy day now, as Brett Leader One and I will go hunting for comics. It's I know it's the nerdiest thing you can think of. Don't don't I have enough already? No, never have enough. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, what else? So that kind of takes care of what is going on currently. Keep glued to 5280 Geek. We've got some of our pictures from Megacon on our Instagram. Go check that out. They will be posted to Facebook momentarily. Now that we're, we're situated, we're, we're, we're settled into the new space. So, uh, keep it here. And May is kind of like a weird little opening. We don't have too much going on. We have some events, but they will be posted up. You guys can come check out and uh, see what's going on. Maybe even come by the studio. Yeah, we'll have a live audience for Susie and I's next podcast. I'm sure Vadim will love that. <laughs> uh, what else? So while we have been busy, lots of things have gone on. One of which is uh, Renfield. We did go to the special screener for Renfield, and it is brilliant. It is so, so well put together. And the intro really harkens back to, like, the Bella Lugosi, Dracula. They do a, a great reenactment of that classic scene and it it's just uh, horror fans i think can appreciate it nicholas cage fans are gonna love it and, and and just overall it is a very entertaining film i thought it did a great job putting all of the elements together of you know past and and current and it just is a great fun little thing it's it's a little gruesome not gonna lie a little intense but you know what i expect that from a rated r 
horror film. I, I expect rated R to have, you know, some kind of impact. I think horror films should be rated R. I really do. And I, and I, I stand on that. I did watch Nope, and I was <laughs> that was on the, uh, what is it, Amazon app right now? I've been trying to keep up. And that was just awesome. But I'm curious what that thing was. It looked like, I don't know, a giant tent. You know, when you were kids and you would do, like, the, the, the parachute thing, you know, flapping and doing all that fun, weird stuff as a kid. I don't, I don't know what the monster was. I haven't figured it out. I mean, I don't need to to know. I mean, that's kind of one of the cool attractions to Tremors because, well, the first one, because we didn't know what it was and it was just eating people and it was, you know, more of like, okay, we just need to deal with this. Fuck where it came from. So to have that kind of element there and what it is, it's fine. I just really weird. It, it's, a, it's a giant tent. <laughs> but... Point of the fact is, Renfield is worth the money. Go see it in the theaters. I think you guys will enjoy it, and and it's just it's just perfect. So catch catch up with that. Um, what else? So we'll get to a couple of things in a minute. One of which is Mando. Again, I'll try and be as spoiler free as possible if you haven't caught completely up. But let's settle in first on a couple of other shows. The uh, CW, as Flash, goes into its final season, and Superman and Lois. Now, I do love these shows, and I have spoken highly of them most of the time. I mean, Flash has kind of been wishy-washy, and this season, as a final season, is rather annoying. In fact, it's kind of like the season of uh, fillers. There's been kind of a couple of decent episodes, and there was kind of the the cool big bad, but eh, it was a little lackluster. In fact, this whole final season has been very lackluster. I, I'm not I'm not upset, but I'm just not enthusiastic about it. I've got other shows that I can spend time watching, but Flash is just. <sighs> I mean, it's limping to the finish line, let's be honest. And and maybe it's stuck around too long. Maybe they've lost too many of the characters that gave the show the heart that it had in the beginning. And I'm actually kind of sad that they haven't brought more of those characters back. We haven't seen Wally yet, which I know he's probably coming. Uh, and, and all of these people that helped establish this show and the success and just the fun nature of it have not returned and maybe that's going to change and as we ramp up towards the final episodes and they just don't want to burn everybody out right away we've seen a couple of other characters from the surrounding cw shows and i know arrow is coming back to make his his illustrious appearance but it just eh, i don't know just i have not been impressed Superman Lois is the same thing. It's really slow to get off the blocks again. Well, not again, but I, I mean, <sighs> the previous years for Superman and Lois have been fun. And I've actually been sucked into it more than I honestly thought, just because I really love how they're portraying Superman, the, the relationship between Lois and them, the kids. It's been really fun, and I've enjoyed it. But this season so far... <sighs> But I think this is where the problem may lie. We've got too many characters now. There's a lot to balance, and everyone needs their appropriate screen time. So we're running into issues, and I think this is what ends up happening with all of the CW shows. 
that for some strange reason they feel the need that we need more supporting cast members to pull in. Team Flash, I mean, the roster that it boasted at <laughs> at many different seasons, you know, we got like six, seven, eight superheroes and one villain. So it's understandable, but maybe it's just a little bit overdone at this point. I don't think there would be anything wrong with just kind of pumping the brakes and just letting Superman be Superman. He's Superman. He doesn't need anybody else. That's why he's Superman, right? So when we see him try to, you know, be humanized like they're trying to do in this season, I just, uh, I don't know if I will. I don't need sappy. I don't need all of that. It's nice to see every once in a while, and as it's peppered into a storyline, it you know completes it and ties it up in a little cute bow, and you feel good about yourself. But now we're getting into some very interesting territory with this new season and the storyline that's going on, and I have no idea where it's going. And we're still trying to figure out the big bad. I mean, Mannheim is uh, an okay villain. He's not a super villain. He's just a gangster who ends up with some very impressive tech from, you know, outer space. And they've kind of touched on that, but they're not really diving wholeheartedly into it. But I see where the story can go. The question is, will they? I don't know if I'm. they're just running out of steam or I'm waiting for them to just continue to wow me or keep second-guessing, but... It just seems a, a little slower than I'm used to, even for a CW show. But, again, I'm sure it'll get better. Superman and Lois is yet to disappoint me, and again, they keep hooking me and suckering me in with my, my, my theories, but we've seen a return of another character. I'm still pissed that we haven't gotten Supergirl. I really am. I think that's just, you know, low-hanging fruit. Come on. Just, just give us Supergirl. I'd be happy with that. Just a little bit. Little? Maybe? Yeah. Anyway, uh, on to the big, big stories. Of course, Mando, 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 Mando. I don't know. <sighs> okay, here's my issues with Mando. Uh, still love the show. Don't get me wrong. Uh, one of the best Star Wars properties out there. And what they have done with Mando is absolutely amazing but this season i guess maybe it felt like a, depart a departure from the spaghetti western style of storytelling and got more of like an animated or a cartoon feel to it you know it was just rushed it was hurried they're spending money on special guests versus the writers and i think that's that's a huge miss i think the opportunities of telling quality stories that we saw in season one and two is what sold everybody on this season three is a very large again melting pot of a lot of characters a lot of characters i don't know if we necessarily need because we don't know where it's going they did avoid a few things that i thought they were going to do especially when in one of the episodes i saw zeb from rebels and i thought for a minute the season finale for this one, they were going to do something more with Ahsoka or Rebels or leave it on a hanging kind of, you know, we're going into Ahsoka, Grand Admiral Thrawn appearance, or, you know, Ezra. I honestly was really waiting for something like that. They didn't do it. And I have to applaud them for that. At least they're not taking the easier way out in the storytelling or leaving people hooked and wanting more. 
In fact, I, I'm surprised that they avoided as much Rebels opportunities that they could have taken. We hear a lot about Grand Admiral Thrawn in this series. Everyone's talking about him. Everyone's focused in on him. And we don't see him. And I think that's tremendous. Absolutely well done. Huge, huge props for that. Because it just, it just makes us more anxious, more excited. When are we going to see him? He's out there. Everyone is talking about him. So where is he? We've seen the trailer for Ahsoka. And it was just, just nothing but marvelous. There are so many components that I, I've seen and I'm excited to talk about because with Grand Admiral Thrawn and the Heir to the Empire storyline, which it looks like we're going for, the Jedi that we see in, or the, the, the whatever he is, the Sith Lord that we see in the Ahsoka trailer, I can only hope is Saboth, who is a clone of a Jedi Master that the em- Emperor did to safeguard his stuff. So what if it's not? What if it is Saboth? And they change up the story a little bit. I'm very anxious and excited looking forward to Ahsoka. But Mando, I don't know. The issue I have is so much more around uh, the special guests. I honestly thought when we had the Lizzo uh, Jack Black episode, I honestly thought that they were they were the ones. They were the, the bad guys in that story. <laughs> and Lizzo's acting is not good i honestly thought that those are the ones and and the finger was pointing right at them but surprise it wasn't but then as soon as we got introduced to the next character i was just like oh yeah okay never mind it's a red herring so to see everybody you know in again it was just not good writing in my opinion and it felt more of like an animated story rather than the spaghetti western style fantasy that we've been treated to for the previous seasons not saying the the story was bad. It was just kind of want want. When I'm watching this, I, I don't want and don't need to be, you know, ooed and odd with every episode. I know there takes time to ramp storylines up, to build things. But overall, there's a lot of building and not a whole lot of payoff. <laughs> so much, so much building. And... It is nice to see Coruscant. It is great to see something other than a sand-infested planet where, you know, that that's that's it. I love Jawas as much as the next person, but how many more trips do we need to go to Tatooine? R5-D4 was a nice addition, I'm not going to lie, and has had some really good moments as a critical background player that we didn't know we needed or thought we would see. But again, how many times do we have to go to Tatooine? Hopefully Boba Fett leaves, and that's the end we'll see of that. But to go to Coruscant and see these different scenes integrated from all of the different timelines with, like, Ahsoka, the vision that uh, Grogu had for his path, or his past, is is great. I mean, we've seen a lot of fun stuff. I mean, we've even seen redemptions for characters. Like I said, episode four, where, you know, we get... Grogu's past and of all people to be defending him is Jar Jar I mean it's not Jar Jar but the gentleman that played Jar Jar in the first Phantom Menace film and everybody hated him but now of course he's been redeemed he shows up he's a badass Jedi he saved Grogu and takes off to Naboo which okay 
let's see the rest of that story. I mean, what happens with Naboo? We've never really gotten that answer. Naboo is just kind of out there, and once, you know, the Senator, you know, Amidala died, that was that was it. We don't know what happened to Naboo. So did the Empire just come down on him like a ton of bricks and wipe him out? It's an excellent question. We've seen the purge of Mandalore, so would anything less be acceptable for Naboo? It's an excellent question, and hopefully maybe one day I'll get the answer to that question but back to my point which i know is all over the place i'm just wishing that they would just take a little more care with the writing focus a little bit more i do have a lot of thoughts and theories as far as who is who and what's going on but there are things that i think got missed well maybe not missed maybe just more misleading because let's face it the armorer there are uh, i have a theory And I know I'm going to probably not be the only one to have the theory, but I'm thinking, I think it's time to share. Now, some people may be aware, maybe not, from the Clone Wars, there was a zealot that worked with Death Watch and Darth Maul. The character's name was Rook Cast, and she was a commando that was a very zealot-driven person very loyal to Darth Maul and there was a lot of fighting and all of that and we're not exactly sure what the final fate of Rook was. The helmet style of the armorer is very reminiscent of Death Watch, of Rook. So is it her? It's possible. And the whole reason that Rook has kept her helmet on is because she doesn't want to give herself away. I'm sure as soon as everyone would realize who she was, I don't think the rest of the Mandalorians would be too keen on following her, especially when we're talking about Bo. Now, Rook has Bo remove her helmet. In fact, directly orders Bo to remove it. And I know the play that Bo was trying to do is get in their good graces and um, rally the, the, the team, and I don't think she had any intention of ever taking her helmet off. But to have... The armorer requests that she takes it off, and how she sells it to the rest of the Mandalorians is very interesting, and it is very, I think, misleading, but it is setting a larger stage for whatever storyline is coming next. We didn't get to see it this season, and I'm sure it's a buildup, because the identity of the armorer, I think, is crucial to what happens to the rest of Mandalore. Now... Bo is directed to take off her helmet. She does. She complies. But the armorer never removes her helmet. And I think the reason is that she knows who Bo is and just wanted to make sure that that was who was under the helmet. And I think Bo would know who the armorer is if they removed theirs. Now, Rook Cass is a great, I think, idea and is possible. But I think there could be another alternative. And given how things aren't always what they seem what about Satine Chris she is Bo's older sister and was in charge of Mandalore when everything happened is it possible that she's under the helmet and she's hiding waiting for the right chance to take over to usurp Bo I don't know but it would be a very interesting twist if that were the case and I don't think she's well I don't know the question is would she be that ruthless? She always kind of was more of a peace-loving person, and, you know, the the. I don't think it was ever official, but I think her and Obi-Wan were, were an item. <laughs> but it is very interesting to see what 
that relationship is going to grow into between the armorer and Bo. Now that we are officially on Mandalore and things are looking better, we see a mythosaur and, you know, the legends start coming true and it's it's fun to watch. I mean, again, the middle of the Mandalorian is a, not the best writing, but it still moves a little bit. But then the beginning and the end definitely give the fans what they're looking for in the in the in the storytelling department. I don't know what we're going to see next. The Mandalorian ends with a rather optimistic, happy ever after type feel, but let's face it, that's never the case when Star Wars is involved and and or concerned and we we know what's coming in Ahsoka. The question is whether or not Mando and Grogu will be involved in that story. I hope they do. I think if they leave them on the shelf, that's a huge miss. And I'm not upset with having so many Mandalorians, but I'm just... uh, I'm just done. I I really am. I just like Mando, and I think we had enough of the Mandalorians, and I would rather just kind of get back on, you know, that storyline. Just, you know, him collecting bounties, running into things. Let's expand it a little bit more. I don't think that they should have spent the whole season focused on the Mandalorians and retaking Mandalore. I think that could have been stretched out just a wee bit more, especially when we see what happened with, um, especially when we see what happened with Moff Gideon. I mean, and there's some very large hints of potential screw. And let me tell you why. Because I don't think that was Moff Gideon. I think that was a clone. I honestly do. I, I love the armor and everything that, that Moff Gideon was in. It was very reminiscent of Darth Maul. Without it being Darth Maul, I thought that that was a wonderful Easter egg. Total huge tribute. Great, fabulous, wonderful. Then we move on. And I don't think that was Moff Gideon. I think that was that was something else. I think that was another ruse. And we haven't seen the last. And anyways, why would you get rid of Moff Gideon? That is such a wonderful character, and it's just so well executed by Giancarlo Esposito. Just, I love the character. I want to know more. I want to see more. I want to see him, you know, totally in action. I want him to have, like, a whole army and just see him decimate somebody. Somebody I don't care about. I mean, I don't want him to get... I think Mandalorians have had enough torment and uh mandalore can it needs to heal let's let's absolutely be honest here get turned to glass i think it's time to let mandalore heal a little bit let's focus on something else so that would be fine for me so what's next it's an excellent question i don't have an answer we'll see we we can only now wait and and hope that we get I know rumors are circulating furiously about we're going to get a Mandalorian movie and that'll be the end of the, uh, of Din Djarin and his story and I hope that's not the case there's too much potential there's a wonderful vehicle of just telling stories let's face it from his perspective he he's his loyalties are are solid but it would be fun to see him branch out and a way to introduce this this current timeline, this this area that we have really no information about. There's things that have been pulled, and I know we'll get more answers from Ahsoka 
Rebels will be involved, and to see all of that play out is going to be a blast, especially for Star Wars fans, old, new, young, you know, the, the bunch of us. So we will wait, we will see, but all in all, not, not bad, not bad at all. And that's my take on The Mandalorian. I'm sure it'll come up more when Susie gets in because I know there's stuff that we want to talk about because Susie had some 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 great thoughts, some great reactions. So we'll get Susie in. You guys will you guys will benefit from our nerddom. I know the other one. So Susie was sending me messages uh, last week when I was catching up on Picard. And I have to say here in the computer from uh, Enterprise D was very I, I, I. There were some great moments in Picard. I have to say that this was probably the best season of the three. And just to see the whole team back together from generations was heartwarming. There were some great moments. And there were some questionable things that were done and said. But a lot of what went on, I was kind of right about. But, I mean, the the overall villain, again... Low-hanging fruit, guys. I mean, there could have been something cool, but I do like how they tried to tie this up and make it into something more. I'm curious what happened to the blonde chick from season one and two who became the Borg Queen. I'm not sure. That left me scratching and wondering, and especially with what the scenes that we see at the end of Picard for this season just left me wondering. I don't, again, spoilers, I know, but... I'm just trying to wrap my brain around what I saw. So the other thing that didn't make any sense to me is seeing the Enterprise make maneuvers like it's the Millennium Falcon. I mean, there's just this moment like I don't think the Enterprise is designed to do that. But uh, I guess when Data's flying, you know, all bets are off. The series for Picard was a... I honestly say this was the, the the tribute to the fans. This is the nod to the love for Star Trek Next Generation, for Star Trek, science fiction in general. The writing was very compelling. It was very good. And a lot of it, you were left wondering and scratching. And I think we saw some very impressive villains, which we haven't seen for some time, for Star Trek. I want to go deeper, but without spoilers, I'm I'm left with little to say about that. I think, again, missed opportunities, sure, but um, we'll see where it goes. The unfortunate side of this, however, is that uh, Matlis, who is the writer, uh, said that Star Trek Legacy is not really in the works. Uh, he was quoted saying, if it's something that's going to be done, we want to make sure we don't rush into it. We want to make sure we do it right. That's where we're at with it. Uh, uh, and all I can say at the moment, there's nothing developed on it, but we talk all the time. So we get some closure. We get to see where everybody ends up and um, we get to see the return of characters that we didn't expect to see. So what happens next is anyone's guess. I don't think we will see the Enterprise crew for some time, and that's okay. I'm fine with the closure. I'm more excited about uh, Brave New Worlds. Sorry, Strange New Worlds. I always messed that up. Strange New Worlds. Season 2 is set to premiere June 15th. 
So I'm actually really excited to see that. I thought of all of them so far, that has been my favorite. I mean, Discovery is Discovery, and I like the, the futuristic throw that they throw into it. And the characters are fun. We actually get to see some pretty impressive aliens. But Stranger World, I like, you know, Monster of the Week. I like, you know, kind of a small overarching story, but... It really shines as a, 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 a fun sci-fi show. It really has the feel of what sci-fi is for me. You know, Monster of the Week, and we get different situations, and just we never know where it's going to go, and we don't have to rely on this overarching story to compel us forward. It's just there, and it's... Uh, 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 <sighs> it's just there at the end of the, you know, the the episode, we have more larger story, but we still get the smaller story that helps build it. And I like that. I'm also kind of, you know, in with Spock and nurse chapel and all of them. I think all of them are spectacular characters. So we won't have long to wait. June 15th will be the premiere for season two. And if you haven't watched this season of Picard, I have to say it's it's worth the watch. It really is. You get you get a little misty and for a start if you're not a Star Trek fan, I, it's not even important. I think you're still going to enjoy this because there's enough of the characters that we know coming through and as they have grown, you know, so have we. And there's some great moments with the crew that just, you know, comes from years of working together and being such a cohesive unit so it it's great watch it i think i think every fan should and i think you'll like it too so the other story other stories what else is happening in the geek first that's an excellent question one of which is mcdonald's is bringing the hamburglar out of retirement I think this is long overdue, to be honest with you. I loved, I mean, I don't know what happened. Like, all of a sudden, Mayor McCheese, uh, I never remember what the cop's name was, but he was, I think he was just Big Mac. Uh, The Fry Kids and the Hamburglar Grimace. I mean, all of these characters were staples in the Happy Meal. They were, you know, you go to McDonald's and there they are, but... Somewhere along the lines, it just got focused on Ronald and all of the other characters got shuffled on off to the shelf. So now they're bringing the Hamburglar back and evidently he's going to be shown in a whole bunch of new cartoon or cartoons uh, commercials coming up as they change the burger and the contents. And they're basically doing a whole revamp of their menu and ingredients. So that's fine i guess i don't really frequent mcdonald's anymore i i know i i don't know if i lose geek cred or gain geek cred on that one but sure i mean they tried to do kind of this weird re-envisioning of the hamburglar back in 2015 that just it was 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 not that good but to see you know in all his glory the original hamburglar it's awesome so, uh, in the link below, you will find the the commercial, the video of Hamburglar being pulled out of retirement and is back. Uh, the the quote from directly from McDonald's to get the word out: We're bringing back a McDonald's favorite, the Hamburglar, because what better way to show just how good they are than to turn the most notorious burger thief 
loose in our marketing campaign as he tries to get his hands on our best burgers ever. At least McDonald's is thinking, I think they're feeling left out. When Arby's did their, and still do, their ads with like all the, the nerd references and the geek stuff, I think McDonald's is, is trying to figure out how to compete with that because Arby's is just on point. So we may see, you know, the Burger Wars return. Yes, I just made that up. Um, what else is going on? Uh, Cowboy Bebop is uh, releasing a loaded box set for its 25th anniversary. The beloved anime Cowboy Bebop is getting a Blu-ray box set and packed with extras. Per an announcement per Crunchyroll, the new edition of Cowboy Bebop will be released on April 4th, which is already out. The set is packaged in a metallic collector's box and comes with five art cards that can be swapped out uh, on the cover. Content includes a brand new retrospective video celebrating 25 years of the anime. So, I cannot believe it's been 25 years. Uh, Also, in addition to the 26 episodes of the classic anime, uh, the box set contains over four hours of special features, including Lost episode titled... Session Zero, cast and crew interviews, music clips, textless opening, and ending themes and audio commentaries. I really, I, so this is great, and I didn't know about the session number zero uh, being released in the box set. I've never seen it. I have watched it again because it's on Netflix, and it was fun just to sit and enjoy it. I still think the nerds got it wrong with letting the live action go the way of the dodo. I think it it, it it was premature, especially when I see other shows like The Wheel of Time. How is that on season three getting done on season three already? That show is wretched, and it is just boring. At least Cowboy Bebop was, you know, filled with action and somewhat, you know, uh, close to the, the original theme. They kind of, you know, held to... The, the storyline, they did a couple of changes that made sense in my mind, but overall it was a good show and I think cut down too, too prematurely, way too prematurely. So to see this kind of come out and everything, I'm all for it. And I need to go buy it. I really haven't. But if you are not sure if you are remembering Cowboy Bebop right or not, or if it's for you, go watch the animated on... Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. I have to remember which platform I watch it on because I know it's available on Netflix, Hulu. Uh, I think Funimation has it. I don't know. There's so many different things. Um, you can buy the box set from the Crunchyroll store right now. So go over to Crunchyroll and check it out. Uh, in video game news, there's a lot. There's actually more video game news than I actually anticipated. One story that I didn't really talk about, at least I don't think I did. Netflix is doing a Gears of War movie and is uh, having the Dune and Doctor Strange writer, John Sfats, uh, do do it. And I think this is awesome. I, I, If you don't know, if you're new to the podcast... You probably didn't realize my love for Gears of War. If you have been here for a while, you already know but that's that's my all-time favorite video game. That one is mine. And I absolutely loved the, the Horde mo- modes, the story, the characters. I, I've cried. I've laughed. I've been scared. That's right. I've been scared a couple of times on that game, especially the first one. Holy crap, that thing was creepy as hell. But it was really it was a fun game, and it still is. 
uh, a great game in my mind. Um, so now that they've announced that they're doing uh, the movie, I can't wait to see what we get. Um, there's a lot of potential stories here, and I'm not sure what we're going to get. Uh, the quote from Netflix was directly, we're thrilled, uh, we're thrilled to partner with John and the Netflix team to bring Gears of War to life. Uh, John is a master storyteller with talent for creating epic science fiction universes, and he truly loves Gears of War. We couldn't ask for a better partner to honor our franchise and deliver an authentic story to our fans. So, the question is, what story do we get? I I want I want Dom and I want Phoenix. And I know if you've played the game, Dom dies in I forget which which game is either three or four where Dom Dom doesn't make it. And since then, of course, we've seen Phoenix's son come into it. We've got, you know, new new characters, new generation has kind of picked up the mantle where the rest of the the cogs have kind of, you know, retired. So I'm very, very excited to see what we we get for this. And like I said, it's one of my favorites. The the monsters and the storyline and everything else that just invoke gears for me is just the human compassion that we're fighting to survive and this just the you you walk around and collect garbage for for achievement points it's <laughs> it's great and it's and i loved when it first came out the the component for moving around and how they integrated and firing and it just overall like i said one of my favorite games the books are spectacular because we do get filler for between the games and kind of a clue to the history of what happens to earth all of the creatures, how they exist, what they are, and what basically is the, the, the fall of humanity. So if you haven't read the books, I would strongly recommend it. But uh, no other word as far as when this is coming to Netflix, but very, very excited to see. Another game that caught my eye a long time ago, and um, I really enjoyed it's uh, the Alice in Wonderland uh, American McGee's game. It's by EA, and they have actually rejected the third installment. And in a quote, uh, American McGee is stepping away from game development. For the past several years, he's been crowdfunding efforts to produce a third entry into the series of the action horror game inspired by Lewis Carroll's Alice Adventures in Wonderland. Those efforts produced a 414-page design Bible for Alice Asylum, which McGee used to pitch the project to rights holders Electronic Arts. McGee says that the Electronic Arts have decided to pass on the project. As such, McGee has said he has uh, reached an endpoint with Alice and the game production in general, which is sad. I really did like Alice running around with a vorpal blade for a frickin' knife, and the puzzles and everything in this game were great. The colors were amazing. The gameplay itself was relatively smooth and fun. It was engaging. But uh, and, and I liked how they would integrate the different characters from Alice in Wonderland into the story, kind of like as a catch-up. And as they expanded a little bit more on them, it was, it was great. Um, 
But now that with everything that's gone on and the Patreon and everything that they have put out there is a great head scratcher. Because why? Why? Why did EA walk away? Which is a great question. And according to EA, they've done their part, allegedly passed on the funding of the project, and uh, quote, quote, um, based on international analysis of the IP, marketing conditions, and details of the product proposal, um, they're just unwilling to license the, the IP. So I guess that's it? Maybe someone will pick it up. Maybe someone other than EA. But McGee has had such a huge, you know, track record of success. The Alice storyline, of course, Doom, Quake, Quake 2. So where this puts him evidently is him retiring or leaving or who knows what. If you are interested, you could go to uh, McGee's Patreon and see the, the, the basic story Bible because I guess it's available there. I haven't gone over to check it out. But you can go look it over, read it, and see what might have been, what's what could be if somebody else steps in and, and, and grabs it. I wouldn't, you know what, if I was Rockstar right now, I honestly would, this would catch my eye. I honestly think that there's a story here, and if you expanded and made the, the Alice in Wonderland uh, more expansive, open world... That actually might be kind of fun as you wander around in Wonderland. I think Rockstar really needs to consider this. Go look, Rockstar. I know you listen to me all the time. So so bounce on over there. Talk to, to America McGee and see if uh, they, they, they want to bring you in. That'd be great. Uh, what else? Aliens Dark Descent trailer announces a June release date as we see the new Aliens game come to... Uh, fruition finally i think my last time i played an alien game was on the jaguar way back in the day it was an amazing game it took right out of like the aliens movie motion detectors and let me tell you something those aliens didn't play that game was difficult as hell but so much fun because you're wandering around in the dark and then all of a sudden your sensor goes off things are moving around you can't see them you can hear them it's very well designed so i can't wait uh, the doo -doo 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 Aliens Dark Descent was originally announced last year, uh, though has little been said about it since. Fortunately, the folks at IGN today finally um, bring a word of June release date this summer and a look at the gameplay and a brand new trailer, and I will have that posted below. So check out 5280geek.com because uh, it won't be on this in the podcast platform but if you go to 5280geek.com you can see the trailer there it actually looks fun i really shoot them up style you know bang 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 die 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 and the comic actually aliens right now is doing re i mean aliens is making all of the right moves right now in my opinion for a ip that you know kind of i think got shelved and had some really bad ideas in regards to movies it really is nice to see. The comic has been spectacular, and to get uh, a fun alien game, uh, I'm all, all set. June 20th is the date, so keep an eye out for that. And like I said, go below to see the trailer. And it looks like that's kind of it. All the time we've got for today. I will be back next week. I'm actually home for a few weeks, not on the road doing a con across the country, which 
is so much fun. I mean, it's a little draining at times, I'm not going to lie, but I'm really having a good time out there. Visiting different cons, interacting with the fans, talking nerd, talking geek, talking comics, talking movies, getting to share theories. So if you have a question or a thought, by all means, please hit us up. Send us a message. We're always open for questions and thoughts. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Give us a like. Give us a share. Uh, Tell your friends all about your dirty little secret that we are. Because in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night.